bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Nidja and today we, well this week, this episode, we are speaking to Dominique Linden. Dominique Linden is on the show and she is sharing her own whole food plant-based journey with us. I just wanted to touch in this episode, Dominique is a multiracial African-American woman and I didn't want to do this episode and not speak to Dominique about all that is going on over in the United States with the Black Lives Matter protests and the, and the movement itself. I feel, uh, I feel that overlooking it isn't the right thing to do for me and this podcast. And so I wanted to just, I, I asked Dominique before we began recording if she felt okay to just share a little of her own personal experience living in this time in history at the moment. And and she agreed to talk about it, just, 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 a, just a small amount at the beginning of, of this episode. I, in light of all the information and education and research that I've been doing, following the death of George Floyd and our own Black Lives Matter protests here in Australia and our treatment of our First Nations people, the Indigenous Australians. I, the one takeaway I've had as a privileged white woman is that, or as a, as a white woman, is that where I can raise the voices of the vulnerable, where I can use my platform to uplift the voices of the oppressed or the dismissed or the minority voices around the world, I feel an obligation to do so because we've heard enough about what it means and is like being in a white person's body, in a white person's experience. But I personally don't know enough about what it feels like and what it is like to be in a black person's body or an Asian person's body or an Aboriginal person's body and, and their culture and their food and their way of being. I don't know enough. And until we know enough, until we hear those voices everywhere, all the time, we're going to continue othering those people and making them sit on the outside of a dominant white culture that doesn't belong to them and that they don't see their voices in, they don't see their experiences in. And I think that that isn't the future that I want to be a part of create co-creating. I don't want to be a part of co-creating a future where this dominant white culture just continues endlessly and our voices are the only ones that are heard. So 
I want to acknowledge that I don't know nearly enough still. And I have so much to do because I love my own conditioning. I have so much more learning to do and growth to do. And I'm going to make loads of mistakes. And I hope that you forgive me and we continue to forgive each other on our journey to be coming more educated, more informed, more aware, and to help use our lives and our to teach our children and our friends and our family members how to become anti-racist, to become anti-racist, to to elevate the voices of the voiceless. And and I hope to do that. And I hope if you're listening that you also have that as part of your heart in your heart as a as a value and as a a goal to learn more and do better and to uplift those who who need to be uplifted because they're for too long they're they've been dismissed and disregarded and their lived experiences have been ignored and that ignorance has caused endless suffering and inequity and heart And I, for one, don't want to be a part of perpetuating any of that any longer. So here we are. Dominique is sharing both her incredible transformation and weight loss journey. Transformation isn't just about weight loss. It's about self-acceptance. It's about being kind to ourselves. Dominique's story is a story for all of us who are perfectly imperfect and we're doing the best we can to progress and be better all the time, but also allowing our own vulnerability and our own setbacks in our on our healing journey and, our, and to forgive ourselves in those setbacks. So if you're having some setbacks, know that that isn't the end of the road and be kind to yourself and forgive yourself. There's enough shame cycling around in our energetic fields, in our environment everywhere, in our world globally. There's enough shame. So let's come back to a place of forgiveness and compassion and self-love. I really love Dominique's story and I'm so grateful that she was willing to take up some space here and talk a bit about her own experience as an African-American woman. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. So thanks for listening. As always, I'm always nervous to put these episodes out in case I make some huge giant faux pas and make a fool of myself. But I, I'm i also driven by my deep motivation to move past my own fears and anxieties for my greater goal, which is spreading hope to the everyone because this is a time that feels like it's lacking a lot of hope and if I can make some happen, a spark, even just a little glimmer of hope in a very dark time that is a global pandemic. And in any time at all, I I will take it and bypass my own fears and anxieties to get these stories of hope and forgiveness and compassion and kindness and love out to you. So I hope you enjoy listening to Dominique today. Thank you, Dominique, for coming on the show. Hello, Dominic, and welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and speak to me. And I know that before we started recording, 
we were having a bit of a chat because you are the first African-American woman I've interviewed since the Black Lives Matter movement, in yeah, the protests this year in 2020. There's obviously been... Black lives have mattered for longer than just this protest. Yes. <laughs> but I haven't interviewed any African-American people this year. I don't think, maybe. I don't think so. I, I may be wrong and I'll go back and I'll put it in the show notes if I have, but I don't think so. And it just didn't feel right not to raise Black Lives Matter, the, the movement and the protest and what's going on over in the United States in an interview when I'm speaking with an African-American woman and you did it. We did discuss it because I didn't know, how, you know, as I, I, it's a very difficult space to navigate as a white woman and I didn't want to be out of turn. So I did approach this with Dominic before. I did not, I'm not just putting her on the spot here. And she did agree to talk a little bit about her experience with everything that's going on. So please, like the platform's yours. What, what, what is going on for you? Thank you. So, so yeah, uh, first of all, I'm really excited to, to be invited on this podcast. This is my first podcast. So this is, this is pretty cool. I, I was explaining, you know, earlier that just, um, I've been giving, given a very, um, what I feel like is a blessed past with, um, what's happening right now with Black Lives Matter and with everyone is feeling attacked right now. And, and I know personally from that space, when you're feeling that you're being attacked, not a lot of growth can come from that. And so, um, I've actually been given the gift of being able to work through a lot of the emotions that people are trying to work through right now with black lives matter and the protest and, you know, George Floyd, like you said, this black lives have mattered for a long time, but that, but that was kind of, um, that was just the spark that that lit this this movement and you know watching him lie down for those eight minutes and 46 seconds it was just you know we're all home because of covid well not all of us but things are different because of covid and i i just think it was it's it's the start of something that's going to be very different and so what i've been trying to do is because of my past create a, a different way to move forward because i just see that a lot of the the ways that we've been trying to move forward isn't working. Um, we're very polarized over here. I don't know if that's everywhere, but it's just a lot of um, black, white, you need to be on this side or this side. There, there, there seems to be no middle ground. And so I'm a multiracial woman. Um, I, My dad is black, my mom is white, but I was only raised by the white side of my family. And growing up, I wasn't allowed to talk to the black side of my family. And we didn't discuss the weird things that happened or we didn't discuss how my family as a unit sometimes treated black families differently. Like we had one family in the neighborhood that I don't want to go into too much detail, but we, we did treat them different. And, and I wasn't aware at the time because I was little, but I can look back and see these little moments where it's like, I even had racial bias as a, as a woman of color. And it wasn't because there was something wrong with me. It's because of what I was brought into. And in the same with my family. They're, they've all been a little less racist, but the stories that I've heard, my dad wasn't even allowed to come around unless it was at night. So so just things like that, I've been learning more and more about my family has actually helped me to forgive them more. And and to me, that's, that's the space I'm trying to create right now with Black Lives Matter and, and with this, because I'm not going to stop saying that and I'm not going to stop believing that because it, it's so important to me. 
but if it continues to be polarized and used as this weapon against people, I just, that's not the, the route I'm trying to take. So um, I was explaining to her, but I, I'm a, a yoga teacher and I do massage therapy and I'm, I'm all about, I want to create these spaces where people can openly acknowledge what they're going through and then we can process it they can process it in a safe place. And I want to do that with the racial tension too, because I've been able to work through this stuff. Um, I, I purposely went to an African-American woman therapist after our, after Trump was elected, because I was just, <laughs> I had a lot of emotions I didn't know how to process. And she, she talked me through so many things and she talked me through shame and she talked me through guilt and she talked me through confusion and anger onto this other side of um, peace. So so that's just, you know, what I'm I'm trying to bring to the Black Lives Matter movement for everyone in this in this country. Yeah, oh, I, I, I love that. And it's just from, you know, for, I'm from I'm in Australia. So I don't I've been to America once. So I for a month. So I don't I don't really know. Like I've, I've tried to keep myself informed. And I've watched, you know, documentaries and read and followed the movement a bit as much as you know as much as I can around small little children and things but but it is something that you know I myself here we have we have a liberal and labor party you have the democrat and the republican party and and we have a very like it's two parties and there's just no f- real friends on either side you know there's no friendship on either side and you if you like one you cannot like the other and you cannot have any of the values of the other and you cannot and and when it comes to like you know what's happening with our with our first nations people and with your you know your country's first nations people and with the people of color you know the african americans in your culture I just feel like when we have these this divisiveness in politics and this lack of peace and this notion that the leaders of our countries, both the leaders of my country and your country, and when I look around in India or in Brazil, in England, in in, pla- in places where these these masculine figures are the leaders, and it's it's not a a, 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 jab, a jab against men being leaders. It's just that the way that they are elected seems to me like the biggest bully wins and we reward the meanest, most unkind, underhanded people. And so then how can we ever raise up and elevate the voices of our most vulnerable when the the people we put in the highest positions of power around the world are the people who have been the most unkind and the most willing to do whatever it takes and stop and stomp on whoever they can. I'm very confused myself in how how to move forward when our political arena is this way inclined and this toxic and this ugly. It's really, really disheartening. But then I see the Black Lives Matter movement and I saw what it did here for our our First Nations people. I saw what it did here to ignite their spirits and ignite their hope to stand for themselves and to recognize, acknowledge their culture and to want their culture to be acknowledged and their voices to be acknowledged and for people to truly see them for the first time rather than just as a token, as a gesture. Oh, we see you, but we're going to continue living our way and we're going to continue with our monuments and our education the same way and we're going to continue erasing your voices, but we'll tokenistically see you. 
it's very complex, but I did feel that this movement, and that's why I wanted another reason why I wanted to just to touch on it here with you speaking, because your voices are the voices of hope. When our when our systems are so broken, we need the voices of the vulnerable and the oppressed to stand up and to ignite hope. I think. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. Thank you so much for saying all that because I really. Um, so, so woman to woman too, we, we have such unique perspectives of the, the world and I'm looking more into how trauma's passed down and how it's relived. And, and it's, that's what I said earlier about feeling attacked is it's, it's, I don't want men or, or white people or anyone to feel, you know, attacked by this. It's just genuinely wanting to, like you said, lift these voices up that, very clearly have not had the chance before that the other voices have had. And so I just love what you said because it's, I'm, I'm focusing less. I, I have to get away from the political fighting. I just can't like there, there's nothing to say. We have our, we have our ideas and I respect everyone's ideas, but to me, the real healing is going to be the conversations like this and, and the conversations with my friends where I'm saying, it's okay that you're confused. It's okay that maybe you don't get Black Lives Matter because you're watching a bunch of news where all you're seeing is rioting and you're hearing all these crazy stories and you're being fed fear. Like, that's okay, but that's not what I am trying to do. And that's not what the majority of, of people I know are trying to do. We want We want to grow and we want to be better. So I just really appreciate you starting right off the bat with this because it's it's very important to me and it's very important to a lot of people and I'm so excited like it's and it's weird to have these mixed emotions of I'm sad right I'm sad with all these things happening and what's happened and it keeps happening and police aren't held accountable and there's just a lot of pain and then to be at the same time excited for what could what could be. So it, like we said it before, you know, the podcast is just a str- it's a strange time to be alive in general. And I, I think no matter what people do the best they can with where they're at, which is hard. But yes, <laughs> it's difficult for me. Like for when you say that people ne- we don't we don't want to acknowledge that the th- ways that we have behaved have been harmful to other people or have have made other people need to be smaller around us or or what or in whatever way we've hurt people and i i have definitely hurt people i've definitely been been racist i've definitely done and said and thought just things that i wish i could turn back and i i feel like as humans we just want to put blinders on to the fact that we've it, it that causes us so much shame ultimately that we have been shitty people out of our own ignorance and our lack of experience and our lack of awareness and perhaps we've never been in contact or connected with someone of color or perhaps we've I went to like you I went to an all white school now one indigenous family arrived and we just bullied them until they left none of us really thought what we were doing was bullying we just didn't know them and we commented on their difference endlessly. Now, I don't know what that parents of that, those children did, what they thought and why they left, because I wasn't a friend of those children, but they left. And I, can only, I, I can't only assume it wasn't that great to have your children in an all-white school with all these kids constantly talking about their difference. But I feel like while we're hiding from the fact that we are all flawed, really flawed, deeply flawed 
animals wandering around in clothes, <laughs> acting like we're not animals wandering around in clothes, <laughs> while we're pretending that we're these beings that are beyond fault, beyond mistake. And pointing our fingers out to all the other people who've made mistakes and refusing to acknowledge our own mistakes. We're not going to get anywhere without saying, oh, my God, you know, I was a bit of a piece of shit so many times. And I don't even know if yesterday I wasn't one, you know, like sometimes I am. And I'm really trying to educate myself and be informed and do better and be kinder in every action. But I haven't always and I may not. And I need you to forgive me anyway and for us to love each other and unite and move forward. I I am so I feel so uplifted right now because that is exactly that's exactly what I wanna have in conversation is is that admittance and um I can't remember now if we were saying this before we started recording, but how I've had re- I have been racist as a black woman. Um, because of what I was raised in and because of the things I heard that I just, that's just how it was. And I didn't think anything of it and all white church and all white school until I went to public school and just never taught. We don't talk about these things. Right. And so now I was, I was smiling when you brought up that family that left not because I'm happy that happened, but I'm happy you're acknowledging it. I just feel like this is exactly what if we can just have these tougher conversations and admit, like you said, we're flawed, we can we can move forward and and something so on top of being whole food plant based that I do is I made a decision um, to I don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't partake in any kind of drugs or, you know, I just have a very holistic life and it's it's helped me to. Um, look at those parts of myself I used to be afraid of looking at and I used to numb and be like, okay, I've done these things, but okay, you look at them so you can get past them and let them go. And so I see, especially in the U.S., this tendency to, um, well, I've only been in the U.S., but to just numb and and shove down and turn off those, those ickier parts because it just seems so impossible sometimes to look at it, but it's not impossible. We definitely have that culture in our that that culture of numbing and repressing in here in Australia as well. And I think when you look all over the world, you can see that we're not good at dealing with those uh, icky feelings that where we, where we, where we know that we haven't behaved or acted in alignment with our values or the values of our culture. I, I do think that it's, it's that facing that is, is how we're going to get through this. Yeah. I'm going to say thank you a million times because I really just I'm like I've, I've I've had kind of a day today where I've been thinking about this so much and, and meditating on it so much. And then for you to come right out the gate and be like, let's just talk about it. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I'm what I'm wishing for in my life to, to come through. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing, because it's you know, it's a big deal to share this on a podcast to, you know, thousands of people. <laughs> so thank you. Now. This is a whole food plant-based story, even though you may not think that from the start of this conversation. But I di- as I mentioned, I did want to touch on this because it's not it's not an issue that I have any, you know, I, I wanted Dominique just to share what she felt like comfortable sharing about her experience living as an African, a multiracial woman, African-American woman in the U- United States during this recent Black Lives Matter resurgence, I guess. Is, is it resurgence the right word? Yeah, we could call it that, yep. Yeah, it just didn't seem appropriate not to speak about it. 
uh, because it's a big deal and it should be a big deal for as long as needed until there is fairness and equality and, and the recognition and of of this culture and all the all of the ways that for us in our in, in Australia our first nations people and people of color in United States and around the world that are silenced and oppressed and dismissed and othered so i think that it's really really important that we raise those voices and i hope to as often as i can in this podcast take a moment to do that wherever possible. So thank you for being willing to share a bit of your journey. So thank you. Now, I don't know if this will tie in, if there's, a, if there's a natural segue into this from what we were talking about. So I'll make an unnatural segue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just say, I found you on Forks Over Knives on the official Forks Over Knives page. So if you haven't headed over there, head over there. I often get my guests from there because there's great stories and I love them. And I really loved your story about, yeah, transforming your health with a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. And I would love it if you could share some of your story with us. Yeah, so I watched Forks Over Knives. Uh, I still remember the date because it was pretty life-changing, obviously, but March 25th, um, 2018. And it was actually about a month after I had started therapy um, with the woman I talked about earlier. And she had been reversing her diabetes because of going whole food plant-based. So that was, you know, a pretty good indicator to be like, wow, this actually works. And um, I also, a couple months before that had, I, I had the whole young, well, later 20s, view of life of, you know, I was never going to die and I could do whatever I wanted with no repercussions. I could eat what I wanted and drink what I wanted and smoke what I wanted. And, uh, my, my great aunt ended up at the hospital for months. Um, she had heart attack after heart attack before passing away. And then my shortly after that, my grandma went into the hospital for open heart surgery, uh, quadruple bypass, and then one of my old friends had a stroke and he was only 29. And so all these people I care about are in the hospital for these heart things. And I'm living very unhealthily. I'm over 200 pounds. I'm smoking really heavy. I'm drinking really heavy. And I just, that was my first taste of like, you're, you're not invincible. And, and this is what could happen to you. And what are you doing with your life? So, so I watched Forks Over Knives and I just, oh, so another reason um, I talked about it in my Forks Over Knives testimony is I've really, really battled with um, depression my whole life. And so the beautiful thing about watching Forks Over Knives was not only were people getting healthy physically, but it was like mentally you saw this, this shift and you saw this hope come alive in their eyes. And I'm like, oh my, like I can do that. Um, and it was this isn't exaggerating, but I think it, I think it's the first time I had real hope for my future. Cause I just, I, that just wasn't something I had. And so I, um, I cut out meat first and then processed stuff and then dairy, um, and oil. And it, it was hard, you know, the first couple of weeks. And I remember detoxing cause I lived out, I lived out of boxes. We ate pizza every other night. You know, I, I didn't like cooking. I was go, go, go. I, I ate horribly. And so my body really had to adjust to such a change. 
But I still remember that day, I, the morning I woke up and I jumped out of bed because I just felt that good. I was like, whoa, like what has happened? Like, I feel like this new person and that has stayed with me ever since. Um, and I'm not totally compliant all the time, but that that natural just like, wow, has has stayed in my life ever since. How long, for people who are listening, how long between when you first watched Forks Over Knives on March 25th, 2018, to when you started to feel better, like, and jump out of bed? Like, how long was the time period? I think it was, a. I have a food journal, I should have brought it with me. Um, I think it was about two and a half weeks, I would say, or, or just over two weeks. That's incredible, isn't it? It was... I, I think it varies for, for people because there was other factors in my life too that played into that. But it was just really funny because I, I've had I've had exhaustion my whole life without realizing I was exhausted. So I actually would wake up and get ready for work. And I don't know why. Maybe I wasn't checking the time. I literally would go to work an hour early because I was so energized and so excited for life. So So for me, it was just like that exhaustion I've had my whole life kind of mentally and physically just went away. This is the thing I find most difficult. And I was talking to a friend about it is that when you know, like for me and for you, I was exhausted like you my whole life. I remember when I was about 12 and my dad said, I remember when you were a kid and you had so much energy and now you're just tired all the time. I guess that's just you becoming a teenager and that's what's going to happen. And like, he didn't, he didn't know that I, it was my diet. You know, I know now that it was my diet. But I became tired at 12 and I just stayed tired, just absolutely bone tired. Every as one, one of my friends that's not whole food plant based, but he said years ago, he said, when I wake up in the morning, I just question every decision that led me to this, you know, like, <laughs> and I Remember just it resonated <laughs> with me so deeply because I was when he said that I was still so unhealthy. And I just said, I know you're hopping in the shower before work and you're just like, are you kidding me? How did this happen to me? Why am I? I'm exhausted. I'm in the shower at 6.30 in the morning. I just hate my job. I hate going to work. I hate everything. And then now, like you, like once you've changed your diet and you're you're full of energy and you you can't like, no, no one can tell you you have to experience it because you just think no way something bizarre has happened to you. Like this is the this is what it's like. It just feels awful and you feel awful getting up as a human until you die. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I know. But it's not that way. Like I thought it was, was that way until I was 28 and I changed my diet and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't need to feel revolting and as though every day is a drain until I get to go back into bed. Yes. Biggest revelation. And and that's why I I haven't gone back because why would I want to go back to that? Like, (laughs) there's no way. So you woke up two weeks later and you had more energy, but what then started to happen for you? So, so it's truly transformed my life because I, I have addiction problems and, and I, now I'm, I'm more aware it's been most of my life because it started with food. Like I, I suppressed things with food and I was allowed, you know, get out of my face, take some money, go up to the gas station, go to Wendy's, you know, like food, like I had food for every emotion, um, even when I wasn't hungry. So at the time of watching Fork Server Knives, I was still drinking alcohol ex- very heavily, smoking cigarettes and smoking weed. And 
what happened was, is I started feeling better and better and losing weight. I dropped like 27 pounds without trying, um, just because that's how much dairy was in my diet. Like, I just feel like it just like, you know, fell off <laughs> when I stopped. And so I decided to get into exercising and yoga and I, it felt so silly to do all this nice stuff for myself and then smoke a cigarette. And I had been trying to quit smoking cigarettes for, I smoked for 10 years, probably for eight years, had been trying to quit. And so because of getting into therapy, I'd started to realize the importance of reaching out for help. And so I found a smoking cessation program through our local hospital for free where they help you quit smoking. So I started I started seeing her and have an accountability buddy and quit smoking. <gasps> That's a huge deal. That is a huge deal. But because of switching to whole food plant based, I realized you can change your life. I, I didn't real I didn't know that. For some reason it just didn't click in my head until um forks over knives. So so I quit smoking cigarettes and then a couple months later I ended up getting really drunk and begging for a cigarette for hours and thankfully none of my friends gave in to my demands. <laughs> I'm so glad that they yeah, no, I, I would probably would have caved. I'd been like, sure, here, have one. I'm so glad they didn't. Me too. So I'm glad I wasn't one. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, nicotine, once it's in your system, it's that's a beast. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I got really drunk and begged for a cigarette and then woke up the next day and was just like, I can't. I can't live life like this. And especially because I was eating clean, I could feel my hangovers and I could feel what I was doing to my body. So... Um, that was September 29th of 2018 and I haven't had alcohol since because it was just like this revelation. Not only I actually, like I have a problem with alcohol. I usually can't stop once I start drinking, but also why do I, why do I want this in my life? So the whole food plant base was this, this gateway into just this total transformation of my life. And, you know, I had been in a relationship during that time, too, and ended up getting out of it. Um, not that he was a bad person. We just weren't good for each other. But we had been together almost five years. So there are huge changes happening for me on every level. And it was just, it all started with that decision. How old were you, may I ask, at the time? I was 20, I was 28. Or no, I'm sorry. I was, tw I was 27. Can I tell you a really weird thing that I just feel like I should point out? Now, everyone listening, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit woo-woo. I told you I'm a bit – I'm woo-woo to that, like a mid-woo-woo. Like I've met people who are, f who are mid-level. I'm like, yeah. I'm not as far as I'm known people to be, but I'm still mid. So have you ever heard of Saturn Returns? I literally just talked about this a couple days ago with a friend. Yeah, so, yes. I know. That, that was my because for me, it was the same age. I was just like, this is gone, this is gone, this is gone. I am finished with this destructive behavior. It's all gone. It's so fascinating. Yep. And then you, and then you go through the crazy, just the, it, it's, it's If you don't so know anything insane. about Saturn Returns, just <laughs> Google it. <laughs> and just have a check back in to how you were when you were that age because it's fascinating. Because for me, it was literally like a door just went boof on a destructive, crappy part of me. Yep that was keeping holding me back and then a door opened up to a way better existence yes and it can be slightly terrifying which is what i was talking to my friend about because she's she's going through and she and i was like just holding space for her and be like man all those emotions you're feeling mm. and all like just ride it out like you will come out the other side but it is intense and <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> so yeah but yeah that that's what it was is it was just like i i went from never having 
I don't want to say I've never had conviction, but just these ideas of how I wanted to be better and how I wanted to live better, but I never acted on them. And then all of a sudden it was just like, let's do everything, <laughs> you know? And so I, now I've had to learn to, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Cause like the excitement of getting into it and stuff was like, I'm a, I really go all into things. So now there's a lot more um, gentleness that I give myself and a lot more, especially with what's happening right now. I'm not always compliant. Um, I don't do meat at all, sometimes a little bit of dairy, but but there's days where I'm, and because I'm not drinking anymore, I that vegan pizza, the frozen vegan pizza, like I'm gonna pick it up <laughs> and I'm gonna have it today. So So it's just this understanding that little mess ups in the past, I would just give up. Right. And now it's like, okay, like this is today, but let's, let's just try and remember that taking care of yourself and feeding yourself good food, you're going to feel better. It's interesting that you, you, you mentioned this because last, well, the episode that came out last night, so your morning, maybe early morning for you, Andrea was talking herself, not, she wasn't, she wasn't, you know, we were just talking about how in What's that saying that it's like, don't let perfection get in the way of progress? Yes. And she, we didn't say that exactly, but she was saying, you know, like if you fall, fall down seven, get up eight. That was her kind of way. And I think that often in whole food, plant-based and in any movement, we seem to have this idea that if you can't be 100% nailing it, then you're a hypocrite and you're a failure and you should just be in the bin. And... It's just, it's just not how we naturally are as people. <laughs> like, we're in a pandemic and I have made some higher fat choices in the pandemic. I've made oh, with yeah. our family, you know, I've made oh, yeah. some higher fat choices. Now, would I say that they're the optimal and I felt amazing afterwards? No. And even my kids, because we don't eat that food, have said, like, mum, this tofu, crispy tofu gives us a headache. Like, we feel gross and dehydrated. And I've been like... Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and there's been foods that have been, you know, have come in that are all oh, for me. It, I became an ethical vegan, so that did rule out my conviction to the animals and the planet. Did rule out eat consuming animals for me personally. But if I before when I was just doing it for my health, if I was struggling, I would consume whatever. And it's still the still. The truth is that this, I've still continued progressing in my health because the times when I've fallen off, I've just, like you say, you know what it feels like to feel good now and you know exactly what you need to do to go back to that space of health and wellness. So you tend to just fall off and go, oh, now that feels gross. And you tend to do it less and less the more you realize that that decision doesn't suit you any longer. But if you keep thinking, oh, I can't make mistakes now, I've made one, well, now I'm going to go back to my old way, that just keeps you stuck and just just dust yourself off and jump back in at the next meal, at the next choice, rather than punishing yourself, oh, gosh, you know, I ate pizza, I ate dairy, I ate some cheese, I did whatever, like, just dust yourself off because you're human and right now we're in a pandemic and we're in the middle of a social movement that needed to be happening for a really long time and there's so many different pieces to what's happening climb like we had bushfires then floods and then a pandemic ours is like biblical here in australia what's been right? happening it's like I know. 
<laughs> when you said you were from Australia, I'm like, oh, they're they're doing okay. Like, <laughs> well, this house is doing okay. Well, you know, it's still a struggle, but I mean, we're it's just it's almost comically bad globally. Well, from I'm someone who defaults to right. black. That's see, that's a racist term. See that that term? Yeah, it's. How do you? What do you say? Do you say dark humor, and then you're like, it's still. What do you say there? So I've never. I'm catching that and being like, what do I say? I revert to what kind of humor is this? I think that the um, point we're at right now is awareness and grace. So being aware of what we're saying and doing and how it comes up, and just giving ourselves some grace because this isn't going to be. It's going to take some time to to move out of these things. You know what I mean? And these things we say and our yeah, it's it didn't happen overnight, and this this won't happen overnight. But just yeah. working right now for but the see, awareness. You feel the shame. Like, I feel the shame when I say that, and then I catch it and I go, oh, like I still catch myself saying this is not the same. But I say killing two birds with one stone when I get two things done in the day. And then I go, oh, but that's still not very vegan. Like, why would I say that? Oh. <laughs> why would I want to kill two birds with one stone? But it's just, you know, my friend, she's really in, she's a, it's like a neuropsychologist. And she's like, you know, when we say words like mental and crazy and schizo, we're making people with mental health issues feel really bad. Because they're terms that are have described those people with those mental health problems for so long. And our language is so powerful and it has such a impact on you know the people who are vulnerable. And when you say those words, they they sting and they hit. And when we take it for granted that they're just in our language and we're conditioned to say them, I really do want to learn not to, but I still catch myself just automatically saying words that I've I've already learned are aren't kind, but that are just such they're my go to in my brain to grab when I'm looking to say a word. If you're listening and you're saying, oh my gosh, it's really hard, it is really hard and it should feel really hard and uncomfortable because <laughs> we just have to learn and do better. Yep. And and I, I have so many friends like who feel like they got a, they're tiptoeing and they're not sure exactly what to say and I, and I just try to tell them to please don't get too caught up with that because that's, and I'm not trying to speak for everyone, but just for me in my position, that's not wh- where I want people to be at. Like like this this movement is has to be inclusive for everyone while at the same time amplifying like we said earlier the voices that have been diminished but it's it's going to be very interesting moving forward together is is all I am trying to convey in that the whole let's let's not run ourselves to the ground with trying again the the perfection thing you know so allowing those and I'm not condoning racism or saying people keep saying crazy things but just more forgiveness and grace for ourselves because the more we do this inner work and the more we're aware of like okay I said that but that's not what I meant we can see other people's views a little easier at least that's what I've been noticing so it's, it's a lot of inner it's a lot of inner work before you can accept other people no matter where they're at if that makes sense yeah I think it, it does make sense because it is really difficult for most of us to how can we see other people when we don't want to even see ourselves, our true selves. Yeah. There is not, it wasn't possible for me and until I was able to look at myself fully with honesty. I, I couldn't do that with people, especially the people closest to me. So, so it's a very interesting 
would you call that a paradox? I don't know where you have, where you have to find yourself first and then get to know, like love other people. It's yeah, it's just been an interesting journey. So with that. <laughs> okay. So I segued back because it's, it's, I think it will just intertwine in this conversation. Yeah. So we we're talking about perfection versus progress and I am a work in progress. So if you're listening and you're like, Corinne, you're a bumbling fool. I, I am. Okay. Full disclosure. I am. I am. So you can switch off if you don't like bumbling fools because I am one. Not all the time, but definitely sometimes. And definitely in this conversation, I will make some mistakes and I just ask for your forgiveness. So we've just been speaking about your your, your results in the pandemic not being 100% perfect. But what was, you've spoken a bit about what your diet was like before, but like what would a typical day of food have been like for you growing up? So let's see, Pop-Tarts for breakfast or waffles or cereal. So no real food. And then for lunch, you know, at the school, pizza and sugar cookies and meats and cheese sticks. And then for dinner, oh, snack after school, uh, canned ravioli, boxes of mac and cheese, Oreos, a frosty from Wendy's. And then dinner was maybe a little side of veggies that I never wanted to eat, meat, cheese, again. Just, so, so just a lot of, like, not a lot of whole foods. And, and when you said the thing about 12, it makes sense that I've been tired my whole life. And, and so I, you know, I didn't have a father figure in my life. And my grandma kind of mostly raised us when my mom was in a lot of our lives, and they both worked. So it was I'm not holding anything against them because I was like, okay, eat quickly. We got to, we got to survive. <laughs> you know, we got to make money and, and come back home and just, just keep moving. So it's, and my grandma still cooked, she's Hungarian. So she could cook some really good food. It just wasn't um all the time. And still then it was pretty high fat meals, you know, which I loved, but <laughs> um, it was just, yeah, it was delicious. And I still, that was hard um, to, to say no to grandma's food. <laughs> Because it's such a love language for people that, and I, I've had to work on that in so many aspects of my life is to be like, this is not anything to do with you. Like, this is what I need to do. And please don't take it personal. But yeah, I just, I can't eat that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's difficult. My grandmother, she was, well, not thankfully, but she was in a nursing home when I made this change. So she wasn't cooking anymore. So that was kind of made things easier for me insofar as when if she was at home making her pies or her stews or her things, I would have found that a lot harder. And she would have found it so much harder not feeding yes. me. And so what when you first started, for many people starting whole food plant-based, it's just so confusing. And Andrea was saying that when she watched Forks Over Knives, she missed the whole part about oil and so she just went vegan and she gained a bunch of weight oh she gained a bunch of weight initially and then she okay. watched it again she's like oh you know i missed the whole part that it needs <laughs> to be whole food and oil free she just went vegan which and then she's nailed it like she's done really great but she just watched it that first time and then was like okay i'm gonna go vegan and then found vegan packaged food and vegan pizza and vegan things and it was like, why is this not working for me? And then fix it. So for you, did you make some mistakes initially or how did you go just making the switch? 
So because it was Saturn Return, I went all in. <laughs> and so so after watching Forks Over Knives, I ordered um, the Start Solution and the Pleasure Trap, uh, Vegan for Her. I just ordered a bunch of books. And I, if I wasn't cooking the food, I was reading about it. So I, I, I went, I was very, I didn't eat out for like eight months. I just like really went all in and, and learned it. And then after all of the changes with the quitting smoking and the quitting drinking and then getting, going through a breakup was when I kind of started, um, sneaking things in a little bit more and, you know, not being as strict with it. Cause there was just so much going on and honestly, a lot of, sadness too so you know a lot of comfort food so it's been interesting to see that after being so strict with that I I felt so much better and I haven't totally gotten back to that place yet but it's it's someplace I would like to get but I just know that I'm not um, ready to be totally there again so yeah yeah so in that first eight months when you're really strict what happened to your health like how did it change it, it was incredible. I mean, the so something that happened as a kid lot too, I didn't sleep through the night. I had a lot of night tears and I had, a, are you familiar with like sleep paralysis? Yep. So where you come out of um, your mind comes out of REM, but your body doesn't. So you can't move and it kind of feels like you're being held down. Um, and I was raised in a very negative household. So it, I would have crazy dreams of like devil, like just bad, bad night tears. I had my asthma as a kid was really bad overweight, depression, anxiety. And, and when I switched and started taking care of my body, almost all of that went away. Like not completely. I still had some night terrors occasionally if things are very stressful in my life, but the asthma, I haven't had to use an inhaler since I switched the depression. The depression comes, but I'm way more aware of it. I don't have that brain fog from the animal products and the processed food to make it worse. And, you know, I study a lot about um, the bacteria or your your gut being affected to your brain, right? Like they have studies about that now. And so it makes sense to me why my depression and brain fog was just so intense is because of what I was eating. So, um, and then energy. I mean, the energy level, we talked about it earlier, but night and day, like I could work and want to come home and do more where before I'd work and want to come home and sit and not move because I'm exhausted, so going for walks and practicing yoga every day, like it just, it changed, it changed everything. So, yeah, yeah. that is so amazing. So when you're talking for people, so you, you're still, you've still lost the weight that you lost. How much weight did you lose overall? So the last time I weighed myself was um like a month after my breakup and it was 42 pounds, but I actually stopped weighing myself because, and that would have been, uh, the last time I weighed myself, February 2019, because I have a huge, I had a huge problem with body self-image and I, I've never been okay with my body. And so it was like, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> like I want to take my body where it's at now. So I have fluctuated and I'm, it's pretty obvious to tell I've gained some back, but it's, it's not where it was. And I'm still feel healthy for the most part. So it's just, I don't know how long I'm not going to not weigh myself, but I needed to, I needed to, I needed to build a new relationship with myself. I've definitely gone through that myself. I think that for a lot of women, the relationship with the scales can be like fine and people can have a fine relationship with scales. But like you, I had 
body image issues. I have had and have continued to have body image issues and scales have, I've had a in and out, up and down, got rid of them, brought them back because of that. Because sometimes they just feel like they're your prison master who's telling you that you're hideous and gross every morning, first thing. And you're like, why do I need to be friends with you? Because you're just not very kind (laughs) to me. You're making me feel like a bad person to start my day and it's just not okay. Yeah. So if you're in that space, I do recommend giving them a, a pause for a while. If they're just crushing your spirit every day, give them a, a little bit of a break and be gentle with yourself because this podcast isn't about shaming people and making people feel bad for their bodies. It's about giving people hope that there's another way, that there's another kinder, gentler, more loving way that's good for you, good for the planet, good for the animals. It's not about forcing yourself to be 100% and then berating yourself when you're not and then hating your body because it doesn't look like an Instagram model. I don't want any of that in here. (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah. So I, I completely understand what you're saying about going back and forth. There's hard times in your life when you're at Whole Food Plant Base and I think that sometimes this movement makes it feel like if you're not nailing 100% all the time and you have times when you're lapsing that you're you're not like you're not a good student of whole food plant based but but doesn't allow for real human emotions and real human struggles and as we said you know if you can dip down like I've dipped like when I was studying like things some stressful things happen you ha- might have these dips where you go back to eating some higher fat foods or some of the comfort foods that you liked growing up you know it's just about hopping back on that wagon and finding if you if you're keen to keep going then finding ways to be kind to yourself and adding in things that make you feel more joyful, more hopeful so that your stress receptors aren't fight, you know going wild and then you can make different different decisions because you're not just acting out of your stress mind. But while you're in that stress mind because we're in a pandemic and we're in globally the most uncertain time we've been through in history of anyone that we can there's no one you can talk to who's lived through this that's alive right now so cut yourself some slack but also dust yourself off and make a different choice if you can if you can't make a different choice today try to make one tomorrow or try and find people online or in your friendship circle or counselors or support people whoever you can that can help lift you up while you're inside too heavy to lift yourself yes beautiful and that's what i do um is i i have a so i do a lot of online support and i have a lot of friends who want to do better and and it's not like you said it's not that we're expecting to be perfect or like that we won't fall down but it's like hey like you can you got this like it's okay you know like that that is the kind of people I want in my life and that's the kind of person that I want to be for people mm, awesome so Basically, what I wanted to talk to you about now, because you've just you've touched on it, so I thought we'd just go into it, is the work that you're doing as a yoga massage therapist and where can people find you, follow you, hear your story again? Like, how can people connect with you? Um, so, yeah, I will send you my Instagram and then you can share that. Uh, yeah, my, my Facebook is pretty... Um, I don't do a lot with that. And that's more private for like friends and stuff. But yeah, I've kind of struggled with so I was very upfront about like my transition and my journey and even my sobriety and stuff. And then I started to feel 
with the pandemic, I felt so raw and, and, and vulnerable. So I've made a lot of things private while I've readjusted, but I would, I would like to be more, um, seen now and share, but, but I needed kind of a break to be like, okay, like what, like what message am I trying to convey? And you know what, like what's happening inside of me. So, so I am ready to start. It's so interesting you say that because I literally just deleted all my social media off my phone and just listening to digital minimalism and really trying to think about how I want to move forward because I've shared like you, I shared a lot and now I'm just like, well, I want to only do really meaningful sharing and engage with it in a meaningful way that's not toxic and causing me just deep anxiety whenever I click on like I don't I don't want it on my phone because it just is too much for me maybe down the track I'll get it back but and the thing is it's really high I have group Facebook groups that I run and I'm just oh yes they make it impossible really on anywhere but your phone to really engage with it well so that's becoming a bit tricky (laughs) but it's a lot to navigate yeah it's really hard i totally hear you when you're talking about being raw it does feel really raw at the moment to share yes yeah but but that i'm i'm so glad we've had this talk and we're talking because it's it's confirmation that even though it's hard it's it's necessary and if if we're able to do this then like at least i believe we we should be because some people don't have that they haven't been able to find their voice yet or have the courage to do this and i couldn't have done this a year ago you know, I'm not, I'm not the same person a year ago and the things I've gone through have helped me to be more comfortable. But even like the Black Lives Matter and stuff, I had to work through that on a personal level to even be able to talk to you about it today. And and some people just haven't started that kind of work yet. Same with their diets, same with, you know, and, and the, the yoga I do as I was looking into it today is the racial trauma that all races go through and, and how we have to address them differently and how to um, hold space for for everyone and realize that we can be very, very reactive to each other. Um, and, and not, if we're not pausing, we're going to keep reliving these traumas over and over. So I'm just really trying to um, work on that with my yoga teaching and, and just help people connect with themselves. So, so there's, a, and that's the whole food plant-based. I coach some people, you know, not on a large scale, but just how to transition because it's all about for I can see with my journey, reconnecting with myself. Every relationship in my life starts with the one I have with myself. And, and I really um, I really love myself today. And, and I can say 100% fact, I have not felt that way in the past. I have not loved myself in the past. So I'm so glad, Dominique. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're out there doing the work that you're doing to, to with your yoga and with everything. And I'm so glad that you were willing to be open up and be vulnerable here today with me. And same. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm just so grateful. It was really, really a joy to speak with you. And I hope I didn't bung it up too badly, everyone. If you're listening, I'm, you're like Corinne. Gosh, you're just terrible. I, I so <laughs> enjoy your personality. Well, via Skype, but yeah, just it was it was really nice to be here. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. So, last before we go, what would be your three biggest tips for anyone listening who is in their certain return? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
I literally am thinking about one listener, Alan, if you're listening, uh, who we like, Corinne, for goodness sake, what has happened now? Where have you gone? Why are you talking about Saturn Returns now? I'm sorry, Alan. I hope that you understand. Just Google it. It's interesting. It is. You don't have to like, go too far with it. It's just interesting. <laughs> take, take, take it or leave it. It's just interesting. So your three biggest tips for anyone going forward. The first would be self-acceptance. As a, I can only speak as a woman, that actually takes work. Like I just can't wake up and, and self-accept. And I don't know if that's because of my past or what I've been through, but I have to actively be like, where are you at today? Okay, this is where we're at. Okay. And then move forward. So so really, no matter where it is, like you said, those harder days, that that is okay too. So just wherever you're at, being there and embracing where you're at. The second thing I would say is gentleness. Like, like I'm, I've, I've spent so much of my life like forcing myself to do something just this way or just that way. And like, if you don't do it right, then throw it all away and go back to bed. It doesn't work. And, and it wasn't until I started being more gentle with myself and, and started going to therapy and just being like, wow, you've kind of been through some hard stuff. Like, give yourself some grace. So um, yeah, gentleness or grace, I would say. And then third is don't force yourself to do things you don't want to do. So so when I switched, I didn't like a lot of vegetables. And I didn't like a lot of things. I ate very, very basic meals like potatoes and peas and corn and, and things that I grew up with, like the, the basic sides, you know, until my taste buds started changing and until I actually liked beets and, and things that I could have sworn. I didn't even like onions and I love onions now. So so yeah, just don't force yourself to, um, just don't force yourself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, awesome. I like that. So self-acceptance, gentleness or grace, and three, don't force yourself. And I think that's really good because I think if you're forcing yourself to eat, say, like like someone that you're following on social media, you're forcing yourself to have big purple cabbage salads, big bowls of coleslaw and big giant green smoothies with like nothing nice in them at all, <laughs> just celery and sadness. <laughs> and you're thinking this is just unmanageable. I hate every mouthful. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. You're going to fall off the wagon and be like, veganism's only for people who have no taste buds. I love potatoes and I eat potatoes. I love potatoes. I love hummus. I love curry. I love Indian food. I love, you know, bananas. And I eat that. (laughs) I eat eat greens. I like greens now, but it's grown like, like Dominique's saying, it grows as you, you stop having this tongue that's seeking out hyper intense sugar, salt, fat constantly as it starts to get used to potato and starts to get used to the bananas, then then you add in some stuff. But don't think you have to start with like two litre green kale, celery, lemon, sad smoothies. Yes, sad smoothies. (laughs) And just tears (laughs) to get through each day. Do the meal, adopt your, modify your meals that you already like and just add in some more veggies and just wean out the things that you know aren't making you get to your goal. But crowd it out. Don't just get rid of everything and add in only things that make you just weep into your plate. 
<laughs> it's no fun and you will give up. <laughs> you will give up. Thank you so much, Dominic. It was lovely chatting with you. It was my absolute pleasure. I always, I said it this last week, but I always fall in love with, I want to be best friends with every single person that comes on the show. So now you have a new best friend. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dominique, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I will have Dominique's Instagram handle in the show notes for you to go and find and follow Dominique and some of the books mentioned in the in the podcast today. And I hope you'll head over to the show notes to find all that information for yourself. And if you're just learning, just keep learning and don't be hard on yourself. You know, I'll put some links there for you to learn. And if you have any ideas of people that I should speak to or interview who I should speak to or interview, um, let me know. I would love your ideas and tips. So let me know in the comment section at the end of the show notes. I'd love to hear from you if you have guests that you'd like to recommend from me, either whole food plant-based or that you think might be great educators around Black Lives Matter or around our Indigenous educators here in Australia. I would love to hear from you. Thank you all for listening and be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. Just be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself. Wherever you are on your health journey is the right space. But if you need support to get to your goal because you really want to get to a new, healthier, happier space reach out to people, reach out to me, reach out to whoever you need. There are people here, the people in the Forks Over Knives Facebook groups and pages. There's people in the Dr. McDougall Facebook group. There's people in the Whole Food Plant-Based Aussies group. There's people in my Plant-Based and Thriving group on Facebook. There are people everywhere who want to help you. So don't feel like you have to do this alone. If you need uplifting, if you need motivating, if you need support and inspiration well there are 149 episodes of this podcast to motivate and uplift you but there is a rich roll podcast there is the plant proof podcast there are there is the exam room podcast there are so many incredible podcasts and youtube channels and groups if you don't have friends in your community there are people to speak to and listen to all over there are books to read talks to listen to ted talks to listen to there are Documentaries to watch, The Game Changers, Fox Over Nyers, What the Health. There are just so many. So get yourself educated. I find that that really helps keep me motivated and driven and determined and helps me to recommit to my goals and recommit to why I went whole food plant-based in the first place. And the more you know, the more you just default to that decision you know the more I, when I became vegan as well it was just so easy because then I just ruled out animals and that ruled out 90% of the things at the service stations and the food so that made my decision so much easier so if you educate yourself on what's happening to the animals that makes a massive difference if you educate yourself on how animal agriculture impacts on the environment that makes a huge difference and then you're even more solidified and in your resolve that you're just not going to consume those products anymore because you're just like, they aren't food. They destroy the planet. They are 
just cause endless suffering to so many people, including slaughterhouse workers. And when you read about slaughterhouse workers' mental health and you're just like, why would I make a choice that makes somebody else suffer so greatly? Now, I know that there are so many different people working in factories and in places that our choices impact. So, you know, just unpacking those choices all the time and saying, like, where can I make fewer choices that have devastating consequences to another being that I don't know somewhere else in the world or in my country. So the more you educate, the less, the less like a lot of the processed foods are made in factories where people just have a miserable quality of life. So those kinds of things also help. But when you just think about people picking fruit and vegetables in a farm, it's not as ugh as being in fluorescent lights in a big giant warehouse shed in a factory just all day without seeing daylight. Like, I know I prefer to be picking giant fields of potatoes than I would prefer to be slaughtering animals in a slaughterhouse. I know what my choice would be. So that was a bit of a blur end to the episode. But what I'm saying is education really, really, really helps and is often the number one tip for many of the guests on the show that the more they know, the easier it is to do. So the more episodes you listen to, the more your conviction will the more you'll form a deep conviction with whole food plant-based eating because you, the more edu- educated you are, the more you know, you'll know what you're doing to your body, what you're doing to the planet, what you're doing to the animals, and then it becomes easier and easier and easier as long as you do the other 20%, which is take care of yourself, love yourself. Like Dominique said, like work on your self-acceptance, work on your self-forgiveness, work on your gentleness and grace, not forcing yourself to eat foods that you think are optimally healthy but make you optimally miserable. So find foods that you love and enjoy and do it that way. Okay, that's enough of me rambling. I love you. Have a great week. Take care. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier